Hey everybody, welcome to the Royals FC show. This is episode 29. Episode 29, wow. Almost at 30. Um, with me I have Ryan Kelly and Megan Webb. Just reconfirming that Cindy Lara is not dead. Just very, very busy. But she is right. not dead. It may have been three to four weeks, but she is in fact not dead. <laughs> she was just in town. I you know. No, she's around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely alive. And if she's not alive, it has nothing to do with us. Right. It wasn't our fault. <laughs> um, all right. So we have Megan with us on the show today, which is super cool. Megan's been writing with Ryan and I at RSL Soapbox for a bit now. Um, lifelong RSL organization fan. And finally got her on the show. Um, so Megan, tell us, I guess, how did you get into Real Salt Lake slash the whole organization? Um, so Real Salt Lake, I went to my first game in 2011. It was the first game after Javi got his ankle broken, as Matt likes to call it. Um, and I just remember my first game there, we held up the number 11 signs for him in the 11th minute. And it was just one of those moments where it's just like, this is crazy. This is a world that I'd never been exposed to. I played soccer when I was like six, but I hadn't really been in any sort of professional soccer world at all. And then just one of my dad's friends got us tickets and we went and I was just, it was one of those things that I just kind of instantly fell in love with it. And I haven't left since it's been going on almost about eight years now. And then I just got under the monarchs when they came and like i think it was 2014 the royals this year and it's just kept growing and then i was fortunate enough that in november ish i reached out to matt and he was looking for writers and i've just always loved writing especially about the teams we've got this year so he was kind enough to for some reason let a 16 year old start writing for him and i just kind of started writing with them and now we're here i guess (laughs) Yeah, to be fair, he also lets us write for him. So, you know, yeah. I mean, that no, yeah, no reason. The standards are too, too high. Yep. But. <laughs> you know, he'll, he'll take, I've learned that if he'll take me, he'll just, he'll take just about anybody's. Oh, yeah. I still don't know why he lets me sometimes, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. No, we're, no we do, we do a pretty good job. <laughs> I don't know. We try. I don't know. I, on occasion, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um,. So, is your whole family, like, are your whole family season ticket holders season? Gosh, today's been so long and exhausting. Those words. Yeah. I know, right? Those darn words. They're so hard to say. Um, So, Megan, are your whole family season ticket holders? Uh, Pretty much, except for my sister. My sister, for some reason, just hasn't hopped on the train yet. I don't really know why. But, yeah, we have had um, Real Salt Lake season tickets since... 2012 I want to say so first game in 2011 got season tickets the year after that um my grandparents got season tickets after we took them to their first game in 2014 I want to say so yeah pretty much my entire family though is Real Salt Lake slash Real Monarch slash Utah Royals FC till we die so we've got a lot of soccer in that bloodline (laughs) that is awesome um and so you live right next to uh the Harriman facility right Yes, I can literally see the roof of it from my backyard. <laughs> nice. Goals. Yeah, it's been kind of crazy. We watched that get built from the ground up, and then now to see all the stuff going on down there with the Royals Development Academy and the Monarchs Academy and all of this, the high school down there now, it's been a crazy two years watching that go from nothing to a giant facility. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I kind of hit, like... I kind of hate how it's all the way out in Harriman, though, because it's such a long journey. But, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's it's awesome nice for, for me, you. but for everyone else, yeah, I bet it's not super convenient. All right. Um, so is there anything else about, I guess, the RSL organization that you want to talk about? Uh, not that I can think of. It's just it's a fun organization to be a part of, that's for sure. They we got so much going on nowadays. All right, y'all, shall we recap the last couple games? Let's do it. All right. Ryan, do you want to go your thoughts first? Um, so we would have talked about Houston on last week, right? So we were just talking about, like, uh, Washington and Seattle, right? Yes. Okay. Um, 
Spirit, the spirit match uh, was was great. Um, I mean, it definitely could have been. Um, and, and Laura said as much in the post game that you know it was a struggle all match, and and they put out a really good lineup. Um, that was you know for all that they've had such a hard time this season, they've got such great players um, all along their roster, and. Um, I was worried for a long time in that game that I was going to end up scoreless and we weren't going to get a win out of that. Um, fortunately, Katie, as she has done a couple of times this season, Katie Stengel saved us. So, um, but that was, it was really good, I think, to follow up what was a, a big win in Houston um, just three days before that with another win, get on a little bit of a streak. Um, uh, I was really happy with that win um, in a lot of ways just because it, it meant keeping those playoff hopes alive. Um, it's more, more or less what I thought of that game. Your thoughts, Megan? Um, yeah, I was going to just kind of shout out Katie Stengel. It's when I, we went into this season and looking at our lineup, you never would have thought that Katie Stengel would be our leading scorer at this point in the season. And it's been kind of interesting to see where she starts, where she subs, all those different, you know, she hasn't really had a consistent start or sub position. She kind of switches every week. But she's been one of those players that you don't really see as the big names, but has been really, really fun to watch, especially getting us those two game winners uh, last game and the game before, not the Seattle game, game before that and game before. And it's just, she's scoring like crazy right now and we kind of need it, so... Um, my thoughts on the Spirit game was that we won. That was good, but I feel like confidence-wise, that's a game that we need to win a lot more. And I think the Royals have, and this is sort of, I think, the big hamper on the season, is that the Royals have won one game convincingly, I think, all year. And that was against Sky Blue, where they won 3-1, going up 3-0. I think a case could be made for the last time we played the Spirit, where we won two nothing, but there really hasn't. There's only those two games where the Royals have won by two or more goals, and most of their wins and draws are one one or zero zero um, in terms of draws. You know, I think the just looking it up uh, from what I can tell, my quick um, you know skimp over um, the previous matches is that. We've only had one game where we've scored three goals, and that was against Sky Blue. So I think that, I don't know, I'm just kind of disappointed, I guess. I mean, I feel like we should have won more convincingly and more compellingly against the Spirit. A win's a win, and, you know, obviously those three points are crucial, but I'm, I'm just, I guess, skeptical of how much confidence you have when you leave that game, you know? Yeah, it's definitely been a little frustrating. I would agree. We haven't been able to find too many of those games where we're beating teams we should be. I feel like we've got such a strong defensive side of this team, and then we're just watching our our front end and our front three. Just it's not. It's just for some reason it's just not clicking there, and I don't really know why. But I totally agree with you. That's a little worrisome at this point in the season. So taking a quick look at the standings, I mean. This is just a really blunt question to ask, and it's going to really rile a bunch of people up. But do we make the playoffs? Mm. That is a good question. I think it's it's definitely still mathematically possible. I mean, we are two points behind Orlando, and both teams have three games left. So, you know, that in and of itself makes – I mean, that's a reachable goal. All things considered, I think, um, of course, you're, you're depending on them to, to drop points again somewhere between now and the end of the year. But it, it, that's not impossible, I don't think. I was just going to look up their schedule real quick and see who they are playing in their last three games. But, you know, either way, I think if you look at the Royals end of their season, they've got – Despite being road games, uh, there's two very winnable games coming up on this on this last road trip. Uh, Sky Blue and Washington uh, are are beatable teams, and 
and then you come home and play Chicago, you know, the, the, you'll want to play well and, and have your good chances to in front of your home crowd, which what could be your, I mean, even if they make the playoffs, that's likely the last home game because they won't host uh, a first round matchup as a lower seed yeah. and the, and the finals in Portland. So they're going to, they're going to lay it all out there. Um, you know, Orlando ends up actually their next game is against it's, it's at North Carolina. And then they play Chicago and finish the season at Sky Blue. So they have two tough games left, um, kind of almost the inverse of what the Royals' schedule is. So um, I certainly think it's possible, um, but I think a lot of it depends on probably winning the last three games because you're you're also looking at that last one is a chance to take points off of Chicago, who still has two games in hand over Utah. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I don't, I think it's going to be close, but if we're able to hopefully get three points against sky blue, I think we'll be sitting in a pretty good position. The, I think it's honestly probably going to come down to that last Chicago game on whether or not I don't see us being able to get six points out of sky blue and Washington. But I think if we can get three from sky blue and a point from Washington and maybe three from Chicago, we'll be fine. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be real tough. It's going to be real tough. For me, at least in my opinion, I think we need nine points in three games. Uh, if, so looking at, the, looking at the standings, so with three games left, the most that the Royals can come out with are 37 points. Seattle, who's in second place, is sitting at 36. Um, everyone in front of the Royals except for Orlando. So Seattle, Portland, and Chicago – have games in hand. Um, granted, I know we talked last week about how Chicago has literally like the worst ending schedule you could have. It's it's definitely not favorable to them. But I, I really think that when you look at this season, go back to that Pacific Northwest trip, and then the game before it, where you got you know zero. You got zero points out of nine in three games. I think that's really the killer. I also think, I mean, just putting the ball in the back of the net. Our defense is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Um, I would definitely make the argument that I think Rachel Corsi and Becky Sauerbrunn are the the best center back pairing in the league. I think bar none. I think Becca Moros is also an incredibly underrated player. Um, LB has been... Um, LB was productive. I think Katie Bowen has stepped in tremendously. The defense isn't an issue. There's just something offensively that hasn't clicked all year, and I think that's really what hurting, what's hurting us. It goes back to these 0-0-1-0 score lines um, where we're not winning convincingly. And I know that I'm being a, a super pessimist here, but that's, that's just the way that I see it. And I hate to say that, but this is what I see, and I don't think we make the playoffs. Yeah, you'll you'll definitely look back at the you know the missed opportunities to score and and the the draws that should have been wins and things like that as as the missing moments from what could have been a, a much better season. Um, you know, it's uh, it's tough to balance that whole you know preseason excitement and how things looked with what's happened since. And there's, there's been a lot of factors that contribute to, you know, there's, there's been injuries, there's been uh, Laura Harvey just trying to figure out who plays best where and training from week to week, who's stepping up and who does she think deserves a chance. So um, when you're, when you're dealing with a first year team like that, um, you know, those are going to be the differences. Um, if they don't make the playoffs this year, going forward, how do they address um, the areas that need improvement? Which I know you can say about any team in the world, but um, you know that's that's kind of what I see. Is just you know, it just it comes down to you know there certainly were missed chances for the Royals throughout the season, um, but they you know they just have to look ahead and say, you know, here's what we have control of. Here's, um, you know, you can only win the games that you're playing. You can't affect what other teams are doing and, and you can't go back and, you know, score a goal that you should have had or, you know, stop a goal that you, you wish hadn't let in at this point. Um, so, you know, 
it's all just a part of the the growing process of a new team and in learning what's effective and, and what the strategy needs to be what the player you know any player moves that might be necessary it all just depends on on things like that and then they'll they'll make the best of it from there for sure. Yeah, you definitely don't want to be sitting there like all the Real Salt Lake fans were at the end of last season, just praying that somebody else screwed up so that we could sneak in. Because I at least would like to be able to see us just comfortably get in the playoffs and not have to rely on anybody else to do what we should have done all season. We actually had um, someone tweeted us a couple days ago asking a question before we even put for questions out. I think this is Stephanie Boston. I'm not sure, um, but that's their Twitter name is Boston, and I know Stephanie Boston has been an awesome supporter of the show. So hopefully, we're name dropping the right person. Um, anyone, anyways. So I guess the first part of this question is: Can the current roster make the playoffs? I think we definitely have the talent and the capabilities to do so. I just don't know if we will, but we're definitely a playoff caliber team. Yeah, I almost wonder how much of it has to do with. Kristen Press's late addition to the team because everybody else had, you know, their little bit of a preseason together and have had those extra couple months to get to know each other. But you brought Kristen in, and though she's an incredible talent, she doesn't have that connection with everybody else that you have from a team that's been a team longer. You know, it's one of those things that'll just probably come with time that'll definitely help when she's comfortable with the team around her. Yeah, and I mean, you know, she she addressed that in the in the post game of the Seattle match, just the because there are always those expectations on her to be this game changing forward, and, and she certainly has that potential. But a lot of that depends on, and, and I've said many times throughout the season, um, any number nine is going to be somebody who plays in a very specific way and needs you know the right kind of service, the right kind of spacing to be effective because they're all so different and they all work in their own way. And, and so it, it, it definitely comes down to that a lot, you know, um, having teammates who understand her tendencies and are going to make the, make the passes that she needs. Um, and I don't think that the talent isn't there on the Royals roster to combine with her and be a high-scoring team that way. But uh, like in the Seattle game, for example, there were a lot of situations where um, you know I think they were so wary of uh, of what the attacking power of Seattle is and how quickly they can transition and Rapino can shoot from distance and they're they're a very dangerous team. So. They were they were sitting back in the defensive half a lot. They weren't making risky passes because they didn't want to turn the ball over. the The downside of that is is that your you know your forward wants to make a run and needs you to make a, a pretty risky pass. And and you know she I think what Kristen wants is you know send the ball up and and then make it my responsibility to go get it. And if I fail, you know then then we'll recover that. But she needs to to be given that chance more often, I think. Because um, if it's not working, they can always try something else, but a lot of times they just don't try. And and that gets that becomes frustrating, I think, to a lot of people. For sure. Um, are we going to move on to the second part of that question? Sure. Let's do it. Cool, cool. Um, so do we need one or two players to help push us up? If so, who should URFC pursue? Um, so firstly, I think that we should always be looking to be improving squads. Always. Um, as to what that looks like, I don't know because it's so hard to understand what's going wrong. And I'm confident that that's, I mean, what am I, what am I saying here? Um, yeah. Like, it's just, if you look at how strong the roster is and how capable the roster is, you look at that on paper and you go, why aren't we scoring the goals? Because the players are there. There's just something, something, and I don't know what it is. Honestly, I don't know if I, I can't really think of a specific player that comes to mind when I'm thinking, oh, this person would be great to have, because I would take a forward from pretty much any team in this league. There's talent everywhere in this league but I will also have to wonder how much of it has to do not just with the team being new but 
this is like people might get mad at me for this, but Amy Rodriguez has had an off year, which is to be expected. You know, she's coming back from her injury. She's playing weird times because she's not necessarily at 100% yet. I really just wonder what you guys think about how much that has also impacted our scoring when Amy is a great forward, but when she's coming back from her injury and she's, you know, not, she's with a new team, how much has that changed whether or not we've been able to score also? Well, I, you know, she, yeah, I think early in the season you could say that um, because you know, as you're finding your feet again and, and trusting an injured knee again and all that, you certainly, you know, may not play as as hard as you would want to. Um, I, I still kind of hesitate to call this a new team to her because it's it's still largely her club from Kansas City. Um, I mean, yeah, there there were definitely some changes, you know, when you're when you're working with Gory and, and Gunny in the midfield instead of the players that you were used to in Kansas City, and that there were changes around the roster. But um, I, I think her quality is high enough that she can adjust to anything. Um, I think she's kind of a victim of of similar things to what Kristen Press has gone through, though. Um, you know, the team started without her for a good month and a half and then had to work her in. And, and she's also a number nine, a, a, you know, a center forward, um, despite her, her smaller size compared to somebody like press. But, um, you know, it's, it's, I think the scoring thing is more about the, the quality of the service out of the midfield, um, than anything else. Um, as far as players though, like not even just, um, within NWSL, but like I can think of uh, players in Europe, um, like um, Lika Martins. I know I'm dreaming way beyond anything we can get. You know, when you're talking about somebody who's FIFA player of the year for Barcelona, we're probably not going to sign her, um, you know, or uh, um, there's, there's several players on, uh, I like the Bayern women's team just as much as the men's. I'd take half their roster right now. Because uh, they're all they're all quality players, um, I think. But yeah, no, there there are ways to upgrade the roster for sure, um, and there's going to be a lot of opportunity for change because the the league's gonna the the league might potentially grow next year, and there could be an expansion draft. The team loses players from, um, they might just have to cut people because the roster size might not have that exemption built into it for the former Boston players. And we have to, you know, I mean, that's going to be an awful decision to have to make. You're looking at, at, at Katie Stengel and Abby Smith, who are, are great players. Um, do you keep them and sacrifice somebody else who was on the team before? Or, you know, what do you do in situations like that? Um, it's going to be interesting to see. But, I mean, I definitely hope that they are keeping an eye on it. I'm sure they are, you know. We hear from RSL all the time that they get phone calls every week about trading players. And they're always scouting and looking for people. So, uh, hopefully they've got some ideas of, of where to go in the, in the future seasons. Well, you know, sort of piggybacking off of the idea that we might have more teams in the league is that it really, you know, is is quite the conundrum because you want more teams because that's healthy for the league um, in the long run in terms of stability. But that means that continually, if we have an expansion team every year, that's two to three players guaranteed that are going to be leaving the club every year, you know, due to that expansion draft. Um, And so... It really is kind of a yay league. That's a bummer. Um, but furthermore, I think in terms of who Royal should pursue, um, I mean, I haven't been told this. I don't know this for certain. Um, but based on what I know about people at the club um, and just sort of their relations to people, I think that Ashley Hatch has a very high chance of wearing gold for us next year. She's from the area. She played for BYU. Um, you know, she knows a lot of people who are part of the organization. She was teammates with Carla. Um, there are pictures of her and Deloy. I would be extremely surprised if that is not an option that's being courted. I, I wouldn't be either. And, and that would be a great addition to the team, you know. Um, I wanted that back when... Um, 
when all the t- trade talk about we knew Sidney LaRue was was going to be leaving, and then a rumor popped up back then that there was maybe a three-way trade with Orlando, Washington, and Utah going on to help facilitate uh, LaRue's move to Orlando. And my first thought was, oh, I know that Washington just got hatched from North Carolina, but please send her here. Like, that would be fantastic. Definitely. Um, and you know, Laura Harvey, um, you know, these types of moves may not happen in the off season. They may happen during the season. Cause you know, it's not a, it's not a, a transfer window without Laura Harvey doing something. We'll try it. Of course. All right. Shall we move on to the questions for today? Yeah. That we got on Twitter. Um, all right. So Clint says, am I the only one that thinks Tim Rack should get a start? Uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 but it, but it depends on which Erica Timrak we see in a game, you know, there, um, I, she started against Washington, I believe. And, um, y- you know, and, and she just looked kind of like, she was just kind of drifting around and, and didn't look like, you know, we know she's fast. We know she's aggressive. We know she can definitely threaten a defense, but they, they were, um, she spent a lot of time in the middle of the field or, or even kind of like, it was like everybody was all clumped up together instead of spreading the field and, and trying to open up opportunities. And that was really awkward to see from, from Erica when we've seen how she can, you know, press up the wing and create opportunities for herself and for teammates. So, um, I don't mind her starting at all. I'm not trying to say that I don't think she's a good enough player, but, um, she's got to be in the right frame of mind on that day. And, you know, whatever it was that happened the other night, um, you know, if you're going to dedicate at least 60 minutes to a starter, uh, depending on what your plan for the game is, you've got to get full effort and, and really have them impact in the game, especially when you're talking about a forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it depends on the game plan because I think that, um, you know, Erica Timrak is, I mean, you know, she plays kind of differently compared to what we see from like a Katie Stengel or like a Diana Matheson. So I think it really depends on the scouting report and the game plan. But I mean, I love Erica to death. So your thoughts? Same, yeah, I was just kind of thinking the same thing. It's especially, I've really loved watching her and Stengel get a play together. They've been a fun duo to watch just because they know each other so well and have been able to kind of work that to their advantage. But I think I definitely agree with Ryan is it depends on the game for her. There are games where she is lights out and incredible. And then there are games where she's, she's good. And then there are games where you're like, okay, why are are you playing? You know, it, it just depends. And I would say most of the time she's great, but I also just, I'm a fan of her as a human. So I don't know if that really makes me biased or not. All right. Um, next one. So, athlete burner account. Am I the only one who thinks Ratcliffe should start? Again. Oh heavens no! <laughs> heavens no! I I love Brittany. I think she's fantastic. And um, I mean, this season, I think she's had better experiences coming off the bench and and providing an impact late in games. But uh, one of the things that you that I think every coach struggles with, and and we certainly see here in Utah with our teams is, um, the waiting, how long teams wait, you know, you can't, um, even a player like Ratcliffe, you can't put her in the last 10 minutes of a game and expect her to change the scoreline. Um, she, she could, but uh, you know, she's gotta, she's gotta have more time than that. Um, but I, I would love to see her start more. I think she's, um, I think she's one of the better players, that the team has certainly as a forward and I'd love to see her play more than she does. I mean, she didn't even make the the 18 on Saturday against Seattle, which I know that's not the worst problem for a team to have that you can, you know, leave a player like that out of your lineup completely and still have a lot of great options, both starting and on the bench. But, you know, I I'd like to see her have more of a chance for sure. Yeah, I would agree with that, Ryan. I think Laura's not, for some reason, seeing what we all seem to be seeing. So is isn't necessarily giving her those chances, but I've 
from what I've seen of her, and I haven't really watched her too much before this season, she's done great when she's been able to play. And especially in those big times when we need it, she's gotten us what we need. So I don't know. I agree. I'd like to see her get more time, maybe, maybe just even off the bench. But yeah, I thought it was a little odd. She wasn't even in the 18 against um, Seattle. Interesting. I didn't notice that, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think it depends on the game plan, but I mean, Brittany Ratcliffe does kind of remind me a lot of like Alan Gordon. <laughs> super sub. Yeah. But in a, sub. but in a good way, hopefully. Yeah. Not in the annoying good way. way that Alan yeah. Gordon is. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, hope no Alan Gordon fans come for me for saying that, but I'm not a fan of him. Who? <laughs> he has fans? <laughs> well, now they're all definitely going to come and attack us, Ryan. You know, they, they can't be any worse than the press fans who got on, on us about you oh know, my God. Having, having the nerve to speak ill of the great and glorious Kristen. Yeah, that was a little funny. That was, that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, you sound so sad about that, Beard Trump. I don't know. It was, just, it was just so weird to me. It's like, why am I getting blasted for reporting about soccer? Like, I'm reporting about something that happened. Like, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) um, One of the individuals who I guess did get in that, I don't know if I want to call it an altercation, did apologize, though. Uh, And they do listen to the podcast, so I've just been really busy and haven't replied. But that's cool. (laughs) But anyways, yeah, uh, women's soccer is kind of weird like that. Um, Next question. So, athlete burner account. Do you find it frustrating that they went into Saturday with a – with not a must-win attitude, I know they played three games in a week, but to me, every game should have been countered as a must-win with the playoff race so close. Um, in my eyes, I think that they did treat it as a must-win game. I absolutely think that they did. They just didn't connect. Um, I don't think that there was ever the mindset that we shoot for one point here because even one point or, you know, uh, missing out on two points has huge ramifications in the playoff race. So I don't, I think that they went for all three points there. Yeah. I want to know where, uh, where they got the impression that the team had that mentality. I mean, you, you certainly could look at a, a three game week like that and say, well, you know, if we get two out of the three, that's good. Uh, but I, I really seriously question, especially when like the roster that was used against Washington midweek was I think done deliberately to provide the rotation necessary to rest other players. You know, Sauerbrunn didn't start. Gorey didn't play. Um, you know, the the forward line was different. So you go. You're, I think Laura went into Saturday thinking, "Well, I rested everybody who played Sunday pretty well on Wednesday. I'm going to put a strong lineup out on Saturday." And you know, they all knew that they needed to win. Of course, I'm from the camp where I don't believe there is a game that you can't consider a must win. If you're not trying to win every game you play, you need to shut your team down and go. <laughs> right. I mean, that's just, that's just crazy. I, I hate this. This one's a must win game. You know, they all are, you have to win. Like, that's the point. If you don't, that's fine. It happens. Not every team goes, no, nobody goes undefeated, but, um, no, I think, um, you know, I, I think they, you know, it was hot. It was a hot, smoky, miserable day out there against a team that presses hard with a really good midfield has good scoring threat. That's up top and, and doesn't have a horrible defense. And, you know, they are in second place for a reason. And it was going to be the toughest game that the Royals played all week for sure. And I mean, it, it, it played out the way it did. So I don't think they didn't, you know, have the effort that was necessary there at all. No, I would agree. That, I don't know. For me, that Seattle game was a little underwhelming. But you also, yeah, you have to look at it as it was like 100 degrees. We could barely breathe. Like, I couldn't breathe and I was sitting in the stands, you know. Imagine how they feel running for 90 minutes. But I feel like I might have heard Laura say something about how it's not a must win. But I don't think she meant it in the context that it, they shouldn't win, you know. I feel like she was just trying to make it not seem like it was – the end all be all of the season in her context that she used it in. Cause she said, it's not a must win. And it's in at, uh, it's not going to eliminate us from the playoffs type of sentence. If that makes mm. sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's definitely probably what, what's being referred to here. 
I think yeah. it's definitely that. And so they follow up by saying, um, and if it isn't a must win, why not rest some of the starters that weren't rested like press? Uh, I think that also plays into the fact that Laura Harvey definitely saw the game as a must win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you're looking at, I mean, even though that was the third game in a week, they have, um, I mean, they didn't even practice today. They have to, um, and, but now they have to look at, uh, you know, the nice thing is, is they don't have to be in New Jersey until Saturday to play Skyblue. I mean, they'll fly out on Friday, but you know, the, she, she used her players that she needed to use. And, and I think they did everything they could for that one. And then they, you know, they'll, they'll rest up and have a little fun and then, um, you know, get back to work like, like they always have. Hmm. Right on. Um, so Marcus says, I wonder how Vegas was for them. Uh, we really seem tired. I can't blame them and seem like not putting passes where they needed to be in the attack. Definitely agree. Yeah, there were definitely some people that I felt like they were getting tired, but I mean, 270 minutes in a week is a lot. Though I'm just going to shout out freaking Rachel Corsi. I swear, she plays every minute of every game, it feels like, and she's always on it. She, I haven't seen her screw up too, too badly in a long time. And I don't know, I've just watching her this season has been crazy because I feel like she's just on a whole nother level on our back line. Oh, for sure. She's she's hit her form, I'd say, within the last month to month and a half, too. I mean, she's been a solid defender all year. But, um, you know, Becky was kind of the highlight of the first half of the season, making the saves and getting hit in the face for penalties and, and all that fun stuff. But, um, you know, Rachel has, has been solid next to her, but now it's becoming more noticeable that she's stepping up and, and making the big plays at certain moments. And um, I've always said, though, that we've been fortunate to have um, two center backs who are captains of their national team uh, playing on the same squad together. It's, it's a luxury. Um, and like Bircho said earlier in the show, they're, uh, I would say without question, the best center back pairing in the league. Um, so, Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that too, Vicho. They're definitely, if not the best, very close up there. That center back pairing is unbelievable. The fact that we get, like you said, watch two national team captains every week is insane. For sure, for sure. And, you know, one of the things that a lot of people forget is that Rachel Corsi was an invitee. She was a practice player at the start of the season. It wasn't until, um, you know, Brittany Taylor Comal decided that, hey, I want to I sort of adventure outside soccer for a bit that she was put on the team because she had been dealing with injuries, serious injuries for like two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was a recent article. Oh, man, I forget if that was in the Deseret News or the Salt Lake Tribune, but recently that highlighted that. So it's pretty incredible to see where she's come from. Um, Marcus also says, what about Becca Moros, star of the show? That was the greatest thing I've ever seen. That was the <laughs> favorite moment of soccer ever. That was incredible. That was pretty great. Um, I mean, it, it gave me a great opportunity to throw a, I was just going to look for a regular image of Magikarp, um, flopping around, but then I found the, the, the little clip from an episode where a little girl dressed in an orange outfit like a Magikarp was flopping around in a puddle on the ground. I was like, that's Megan right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, found it, uh, I found it really interesting after to read a, a comment on Twitter that said that Laura told the team, don't touch her because she'll fall over. And she would know that having been Megan's manager in the past. So, mm-hmm. um, that's just it, it cracked me up and I I've loved like Becca was one of the I'd say four to five players from the Kansas City roster like when we didn't know that everybody would jump on board and come over to the Royals from that situation um, Becca was one of the players I was like please if we get anybody we need her um, she's she's such a great defender um, Reminds me a lot of Chris Winger, and maybe that's why I like her, because I loved Chris for RSL, you know. 
Um, not always the fastest defender, but works her butt off every match and makes up for her mistakes and does everything she can to be a nuisance to attacking players. And that's what you want a defender to do. So that's definitely a great comparison to Chris Winger because Chris is one of those players that always, he plays so smart and that's exactly, I never thought about it like that, but that's exactly how Becca plays is she's not the fastest and she may not be the most physical player out there, but she plays a smart game of soccer. That is what helps her keep her advantage on, on forwards every game. So next question, I like Stengel beneath A-Rod and press on Wednesday. Thoughts on that formation from Aaron Stockham. I, I I don't hate it, but um, one of the problems in that game and, and what changed that game at the end is is Katie's not a midfielder like, at all. Mm-hmm. And trying to run the game through her uh, just it wasn't working when they when they made the substitution that put her back as the forward, she scored and they won the game. I mean, that was, it was that simple. Um, I mean, there was no guarantee that was going to happen, but you know, bringing Lytle who can play as a midfielder and is, and is very good at it in at that point, And then having Matheson on the field like that created a whole opportunity that wasn't there for the first 70 minutes of that game. Um, if, if Stengel, for me, if she's not going to be the number nine on the field, then she has to be the second forward in a four-four-two. 4 I don't think she's a winger. She'll do it. She'll do anything you ask her to. But uh, as a second striker, being somebody who can pick up rebounds in the box when the attack comes through, um, I've seen her do lethal things in that situation, both um, – in America and Germany throughout her career. So um, I, I wouldn't love to see that again, personally, having her be a midfield player, um, unless you're playing a 4-3-3 as kind of a weird, you know, she's a false nine at the front of the midfield. But that's tactical semantics for you. Yeah. Um, I definitely would agree. I think Katie is the best when she can just be a striker and she doesn't have to worry about the defensive side of things as much. And she can just go and try and score her goals. Yeah. Um, you know, on that note, I think that it's really appealing to put your top three forwards in the game at once. Um, and I think that's where some of that idea comes from. And, you know, Katie obviously has some pretty solid holdup play. But it's, you know, it's interesting because you look at the Royals and they have the exact opposite problem that RSL does. You know, the Royals have three incredible number nines where RSL doesn't. And so you almost sort of like you want to you want to put these three players on the field together, but they can't all play the number nine. And, you know, uh, this is what I was getting roasted on Twitter for is that (laughs) Kristen Press hasn't been playing the nine, which she needs to be playing. You know, she's been in the midfield. She's been on the wing. You know, for Kristen Press to be effective, she needs to be in the nine. But the problem is, then, where do you put Amy Rodriguez? Because Amy Rodriguez isn't definitely isn't as effective in on you know on the sides. And Katie Stengel definitely is not a winger. She's a she's a classic nine. So it's really just you know what do you do there? I I think you go back to the. The long-term solution is a four-four-two. Mm-hmm. And, and you can and you can look at if you want to. You know, people were saying. Uh, you know, I saw a lot of, of mention as well about press that you know she's struggled to score for the national team recently as well. Uh, I think you can pin a lot of that on that Alex Morgan has taken her spot on the field. And, and, and in some ways, I'm actually kind of surprised that, that Alex Morgan made a transition from being a winger to being a center forward. And she's, I think, equally as effective in either place. But when, when Jill Ellis wants Alex Morgan playing there, she has nowhere to put somebody like Krista Press in, in a position where she can be the most effective. But, you know... Um, you know, press could take advantage on the national team of all the great service. You know, when you have when you have Tobin Heath and Megan Rapino and uh, Lindsay Oran who can give you service out of the midfield. Uh, you know, 
press can be dangerous if she's in the right spot. And, and like she said on Saturday in her post-game interview, um, they all know how to read those little movements of hers too and, and read the runs that she wants to make and get her the ball um, where she can be effective with it. So I think that's a lot of what it comes down to. And it's, it is, it's one of those like, it's great to have three forwards that you can you you know put in the game, but it's also hard. Like they all deserve to play, probably even to start and play a full ninety, but you really can't do that and put them where they can do the best for the team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on that? I mean, I totally like Ryan pretty much summed up everything I was going to say, but he said it more eloquently than I could. So, <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Um, so, the last question from Cole Robinson. So, press seems to dribble for long distances. Does she not trust her teammates? Is there instruction from Harvey to take it and score? Something else? I have no idea. Yeah, I was just say I have zero clue. It might just be what she. It might be that she just you know that's how she feels comfortable. I don't know. Tough to just you know ask her next time we hang out. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll be chill on the weekends <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. sure. Totally. Um, I think that. Um, I, it does make you wonder if she's being told to do that. Um, I, she, I think she gets very single-minded in that. I mean, it's a, it's a tough line to walk because as a forward, uh, like, like her, she, she knows she's capable. She knows she can dribble past players. She knows she can shoot from, you know, anywhere I'd say within 25 yards and have a good chance of scoring. And so when she gets the ball, like, I think her brain just goes there, like, okay, I've got the ball, like, that was the pass, now it's my turn to score. Um, I, I, I was really frustrated with her at the end of the first half Saturday. Um, Matheson made this great run when they got a counter and, and came all the way around and up into space on the right side, and I don't know if Kristen didn't see her. I, I hope she didn't see her because if she did and didn't make that pass – um, you know, that, that, that diagonal pass out to your attacking winger either gives that person a chance to shoot or draws the center back out so that she can pass it back to you and you can shoot. And, and that has to happen to me in a, in that situation. Um, so, um, I think, I mean, I think a lot of that comes down to, uh, again, her not getting the ball where she would prefer to get it. And so she just thinks, well, this is what I have to deal with right now. I, I have to make the best of this. I wish you would look up a bit more and and try to find the other player, although she doesn't know there's not always support uh, up there to pass to. So there's a lot that's a that's a more complicated fix than just one simple thing you can tell one player that's a that's a whole like system white team thing they need to address. Yeah, that was something that I noticed in these last few games is there will be a lot of times that Kristen will carry the ball and there will be somebody wide open, and then there are other times that someone else will be carrying the ball and Kristen will be wide open. And I almost wonder if it's just the lack of communication thing because I'm seeing it handfuls of times each game, and you don't like you don't want to think there's like a problem between teammates, but I, you also have to start wondering is why is that such a consistent thing we're seeing where people are – wide open and not getting passed to when there's opportunities there, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, you know, playing in Sweden, I think Kristen is definitely used to being the one who scores the goals and sort of taking charge. And I know that she played that role a bit on the, you know, when she was with the Red Stars too. But, I mean... I don't know. I think she's she's good. You know, she definitely has the capability to take people one on one. I think it just goes back to, you know, what y'all said about not knowing tendencies, because knowing tendencies is, is so important. You know, it literally saves you seconds um, if you know where to put that ball, because you know that that person is going to be there. For sure. Um. Right on. Do we have anything else, y'all? I don't think so. I I did two seconds ago. Oh, I, I remembered it. 
Um, shout out to Alex Arlett and her um, essay yes. that she put on her Instagram the other night. Um, that was such a touching story. And, uh, you know, one of those things, just her her struggle with injury. And I, I didn't realize personally like, how long it's been that she's been dealing with this and how this is, you know, what's going on with her. Like she's at the point where she doesn't even know anymore or what to say to people when they ask how she's hurt or why she can't play or what she's dealing with. And and I, I have no doubt how frustrating that has to be when your life has been built around playing this game and now you can't and you're not 100% sure why or what you can do to get back at it. But but then to have that experience where, you know, as, as hard as, you, you know, she can be on herself and, and you know, she feels bad that she can't play and she misses the game, there's still this group of kids that, hey, you're you're a professional soccer player. Can we come talk to you? Um, just a really cool story, and I, I think she linked it over to her Twitter too, because that'll that'll disappear from her face or her Instagram story. But just a just a cool person. You know, I know everybody on the team loves her, and and she's a lot of fun. And um, you know, she's a fellow, or a, sorry, not a fellow, but um, she's from Houston, like my wife is. So that automatically makes her awesome. Um, yeah, it was just a cool story, and I mean, even if she hasn't played a minute, you know, um, her and I mean, Mandy Laddish is my favorite player on the team. I haven't seen her play yet. Um, hopefully, that gets to happen next year. But uh, you know, she Alex is still a royal, and I'm I'm glad she's part of the team. She keeps them laughing and having a good time. So, yeah, definitely, that was that story was definitely something that I was didn't really think about either. I just, I knew she was hurt, but I wasn't an avid NWSL follower until this season and a little bit last season. So I hadn't realized how long she'd been out. But I, when I was reading that, I was like, that would be so frustrating as a professional to have to deal with. But the fact that she kind of had that epiphany and realized to all of us, she's still a professional soccer player for this team that we're all so invested in. So I thought that was kind of cool that she realized that although she may not be on the field every game, we still love her and she's still loved by all the fans in Salt Lake and all of her teammates and everybody around this organization still wants her to know she is a part of a, a part of the team, even if she hasn't seen the field in gold yet. hundred percent, hundred percent. I like you. I didn't know much about it. So it was really cool to see that. And hopefully we get to see her in action. She's hilarious too. If you if you happen to follow her on Instagram, oh, oh yeah, her oh Instagram stories are hilarious. So right after Laddish had her surgery that ended up ending her chance to play this season, she's you know on crutches. It was hip surgery, and she's on crutches and trying to get down the stairs at their apartment complex. And and Alex posted this video of you know watching her watching her teammate and her friend hop down the stairs, struggle the other stairs, and she's back there. Come on, Laddish, pick it up, let's go, and just you know teasing each other and having fun. You know when you're hurt, I mean that's kind of all you can do is is try and you know keep each other's spirits up and have a good time the best you can. And um, she's definitely a big part of the the personality of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, so now that now that's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, this was this was fun. It was definitely different. Uh, Cindy, sorry. come back. Yeah, yeah. right, Cindy. Stop, yeah, stop, stop, have, stop having a wife, and then you know whatever your <laughs> other crazy things that you think are more important than this show. This show is everything. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Stuff happens. I mean, it'll yeah. happen to all of us at some point. Yes. Cindy's having a rough couple of weeks. We'll, we'll cut her a little slack, but I definitely would love to get to talk to her a little bit more than I have. For sure. Um, so with that, thanks for listening to episode 29 of the Royals FC show.